Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through His Word. Be blessed. Greetings to everybody and welcome back to this podcast. We're going to finish out 1 Thessalonians. This letter has done so much for me of just reading it. There's a lot of conviction about my own life, about looking at these persecuted believers, how young they were in the faith, and just seeing how they're staying strong in the faith and just uh, the whole context of this letter just really sometimes brings conviction that the Spirit of God brings upon our lives. I need to be strong. I need to have a greater testimony. I need to have the love for all people in the midst of persecution. I've never even really experienced persecution before. All the prophets experienced it, the Messiah experienced it, the early believers experienced it, but I've never really experienced it in the way that they did. And I want my faith to be strong. And so this letter is a real letter of encouragement to believers in the midst of persecution. And don't forget, our salvation, our hope is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to pick up in verse 12, and let's read to verse 22 here this morning. Today, whatever it is for you, morning, (laughs) night, afternoon, let's read these verses. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. This is so powerful. And when I opened up this podcast, I talked about the conviction of God's Spirit As we read through the end of this letter, hopefully you feel some of that conviction. I know that I feel this conviction, and you look at what Paul is saying as you go through the ending of this letter. First of all, he wants them to appreciate those that diligently worked among them and have been given a charge over them in the Lord and to give them teaching, instruction, I praise God for every person that has invested into my life godly teaching and scriptural teaching that has developed me in my walk with the Lord, discipleship. And he's reminding them to appreciate those that have labored among them. It's not just Paul and Silas and Timothy, but there are others that are there. Remember, everywhere that they went from the book of Acts, they appointed elders, spiritual leaders, to be responsible, to be an overseer or in charge over them, and that they should esteem them highly in love. 
There should be a love and appreciation for those that are laboring to keep us unified in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Live in peace with one another. One thing about godly ministry, it will most of the time, not always, but it will bring about unity within the body, and it will bring a love for one another within the body, not a worldly love, but a godly love. And so we see that this is a goal, that those that are in charge over us, that we esteem them very highly in love because of their work, and that will bring about peace and unity with one another. He says, live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, and there will be unruly or undisciplined individuals within the body of the Messiah. Again, talking about that spiritual battle, about the spirit versus the flesh. All of us have been in a community of faith under the authority of Jesus Christ, and there have been undisciplined people within the body. They're fighting a battle, a spiritual battle that's internal, and they're not willing to really all the time yield to what the Spirit of God is doing within their lives, and they're undisciplined, they're unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. So as we're dealing with someone that is unruly, someone that is faint-hearted, someone that is weak, that needs help, we have to have patience with everyone. This everyone is within the body of the Messiah. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and then it says patience. It's not something that we choose to have within our lives. You have love, I have joy. You have peace, I have patience. No, the fruit of the Spirit, part of that fruit, singular, is patience. And so we have to be patient with people that are weak and faint-hearted, undisciplined, and understand the times that we're going through and be patient with everyone within the body of the Messiah. Then look at verse 16. Rejoice always as a believer in the work of God. We're rejoicing always. It doesn't matter what the outward circumstances are in our lives, the persecution or the internal conflict that is going on. Rejoice always. Later, Paul is going to say it to the Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's saying that as he's under house arrest in Rome. Hmm. So it's not something that he's just teaching from a class. It's something that he lives. Rejoice always. Look at this. Pray without ceasing. Hmm. Did you know that our whole life is to be in communication with God? What is prayer? Is communicating with God that our heart is centered on the Lord. Our mind is centered on the Lord and the Messiah. We understand that who we are at all times, pray without ceasing. It's not talking about going to a prayer closet or a secret room and being in prayer. That's part of prayer. But we are to pray without ceasing. And that's a lot of conviction. So if you're watching something that you shouldn't be watching, how can your mind be on the Lord? If you're listening to stuff that you shouldn't be listening to, how can you pray without ceasing? My mind, my life 
should always be focused on the Lord. One of the best things that I did as a young believer is turn off the radio. I haven't listened to secular music since 1984. Wow. One of the greatest things that I ever did. Now, I have to be direct with you. I Sometimes I'll listen to Sweet Home Alabama <laughs> every once in a while because I'm from this state. It's like our, our national anthem. But outside of that, I turned off secular music. I turned it off very careful of what we put on the television. There's not a show that I can watch today outside of news of what's happening in the world, some sporting events, that's basically it. And I'm not trying to tell everybody what to do about what you watch and what you listen to, but I will say this, pray without ceasing. If you have something that is taking your mind away from the things of God, the character of God, the Word of God, and is pulling you a different direction, cut it out of your life. Some people may be a little bit better than others at, say, listening to something, Mm -hmm. a podcast, or filtering through things that are not always edifying just to get information. But if it's pulling me away from the things of God and making me think in a way that doesn't honor God, I'm going to get it out of my life Mm -hmm. because I want to pray without ceasing. I want to be in constant communication with God, that I know the voice of God when God speaks. This is not saying to be on your knees 24 hours a day. I don't believe that's what Paul has in mind. But be in constant communication with God who is always guiding and leading us. That's such a beautiful picture. I th- I've always viewed it as having a constant communication, but I've never also considered the implications of that, of trying to limit the things that are stopping me from having that communication, the things that interrupt my communication with God in terms of uh, things that kind of bring my mind down to the flesh and make me start thinking in, in, in impure ways or whatever it might be. Anything that is interrupting that or is, is hindering that is something that I should be trying to get rid of. Yes, I believe that. I think podcasts today, people have to be very careful with podcasts because it's pulling them a lot of different directions. Mm. And I listen to some podcasts that are coming from agnostic and atheistic type of mindset just to learn what is happening in that world, Mm. how they are thinking. But I have to be careful with that. Because sometimes that get pulls you into a world and you have to evaluate that. I think Paul's going to say it beautifully when we get to Philippians of what we should watch and what we should think about. But we'll wait till we get to his letter to the Philippians. If there is anything excellent and anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on those things. Hmm. Again, how are we going to pray without ceasing? I agree with you. It's not just being in this constant praying verbally, ongoing, all day long, and some people have taken it this way, but in constant communication with God, which is what prayer is. And if I'm listening to something that's pulling me away from the things of God, I may have to cut that out because I'm not putting on the mind of the Messiah. Paul instructs us, put on the mind of Christ. Everywhere I go, everything that I do should be worship unto the Lord. Everything that I do should be prayer without ceasing. I should be in a constant focus on the things of God. And if anything's pulling me away from that, I don't believe I'm praying without ceasing. Hmm. I'm going a different direction. 
and you'll find that you listen to a podcast that your whole focus on that day can be about what that person was saying. You go throughout the whole day not even thinking about the Lord. That's when you need to start cutting those things out. So I don't want to try to read something into the text that the text is not saying, but this we do know for sure. Pray without ceasing. Mm. Stay in a focus and a constant communication with God. Mm. In everything, give thanks. Not in some things. Not in the things that I like. In everything, give thanks. And remember the historical context of this letter. And I, I like when Paul is going to say to the Philippians, I bring my petitions to the Lord with thanksgiving, even the needs that I bring to God. And when I put my, my needs and my petitions before the Lord, it's with a mindset of thanksgiving to God. Hmm. And this is what he's saying here, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you and Yeshua the Messiah. It is God's will for you to always to give thanks to God in everything. Never say it's not God's will for me to give thanks to the Lord. I think there's something beautiful in that too, because I think it's part of the human condition to easily shut down and not appreciate good things just because there's something bad in our lives. And, and because of one thing that we don't get or one issue, and, and because of that, we let everything go sour. But I think the truth is, no matter what's happening, there are countless things to give thanks for. There are countless things in those sufferings as well that we could give thanks for, things that are legitimately blessings from God. Are you in poverty? Well, did you eat today? And you can give thanks for that meal. Is God teaching you something through this suffering? You can give thanks for that. In, in everything, in the good and the bad, there's so many things that are there are intentional blessings from the Lord that we miss out on and we don't appreciate if we don't give thanks. Yes, think about the ending of Habakkuk. Uh, how do we say it here? Habakkuk, Habakkuk, and that song of thanksgiving and prayer to God of a Hebrew song of just glorifying God even though he knows everything's about to be destroyed. If it's just myself and my God, I'm going to give thanks. If I've lost my family, my house, possessions, everything that's taken away, I am the most blessed man on the face of the earth because of God's salvation that has come into my life. That is the will of God. Now look at the next verse. Do not quench the Spirit. The Spirit of God lives within me. And if I'm not giving thanks to God in everything, I will quench the Spirit of God within me. The Spirit of God is saying give thanks. The will of God is to give thanks to God in everything. The breakthrough comes about as a person gives thanks to God in every situation in their life. And if you don't do that, the next statement is do not quench the Spirit. Most mm-hmm. people tie that statement to the next and not to the verse that preceded it. But I think the one that preceded it and the one after go together, and the one after verse 20. Let me say it this way. Verse 18, 19, 20, and 21, and 22 flow so beautifully together. And don't isolate it from anything that's being said here. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. When a prophecy comes forth, don't despise that. 
and I have been in a community of faith, they don't want to hear another prophetic utterance because someone abused that. Mm. And I think we're going to see in the second letter an abuse of a prophetic utterance. Could be. But he is saying, do not despise the prophetic. The utterance that comes as a person prophesies, that is part of the way that God speaks. Mm. But look at the next statement. But examine everything carefully. Just because a person prophesies does not mean that they're from God. Just because a person says, thus saith the Lord, does not mean that they represent God. Don't despise a prophetic utterance, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. So anytime a person prophesies, you and I should hold them accountable to God's word. If what they prophesied does not come true, they're not a prophet. Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach them and instruct them to be silent and do not speak anymore. Mm -hmm. Because anytime someone says, thus saith the Lord, it's not a game. This is a prophetic utterance. We're not going to despise it, but we're going to examine it carefully Mm. by God's word. Now, remember, the Thessalonians didn't check what Paul and Silas was saying was true within God's word. They just received it. But the ones in Berea, the Jews in Berea, checked the word and daily went to the scriptures, and they saw what Paul and Silas was saying was true. And it says they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. So we check it carefully. Hold fast to which is good. Abstain from every form or every appearance of evil. This is something that's very important. It's not just protecting our heart. It's not just staying away from evil but staying away from the very appearance of evil, every form of evil. If it represents the world, I don't want to be a part of it. If it's going to bring a bad testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not going to be a part of it. I want to hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every appearance of evil. I don't want outsiders to look at my life and say, oh, I know what he's doing. I know what he's a part of. No. In everything, I'm going to give thanks to God. I'm not going to quench the Spirit. I'm not going to despise prophetic utterances. I'm going to check it carefully. I'm going to hold fast to that which is good, and I'm going to abstain to the very appearance of evil. That's the Holy Spirit within my life. And people flirt with evil, testing evil, putting themselves closer and closer to evil, And they put themselves in situations that are not good. And they don't understand we're to abstain from the very appearance of evil. Don't even allow yourself in a situation that others could interpret it as evil. Stay away from that. This is what God is asking of us. Any thoughts about that, Yoni? Yeah, I think think it's challenging. Uh, I, I would wonder, too, I mean, I think you could probably also take that in a very wrong direction, right? Because it is a big statement, the abstaining from the appearance of evil. I mean, I think you have to ask yourself, well, evil according to who? You know, mm-hmm. some people would say evil is for women not to have long dresses. And if mm-hmm. a woman wears a pants, that's evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so are, are we to cater to everyone's whim? And I think there's, there's probably some discernment, maybe. 
there. What do you think? Well, one thing I say about discernment, it, actually the way it should be translated is distinguishing of spirits. Hmm. So it's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have to examine what is good and what is evil by the Word of God. So the principle on this subject is to dress modestly mm. for women. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that same principle applies to men as well. Mm-hmm. In cultures, that's going to be interpreted differently, Correct. depending on the culture. But what we do know that is clear, that is evil, we stay away from. Mm-hmm. The others, there may be some gray areas that people major and minors and minor and majors. So if there's clear sin that even the outsider would look at that and say, hey, this is the very form of evil, the very appearance of evil, and this is a believer and they're participating in it, or not participating, they're there, then we need to abstain from that. Mm. The main thing that people use is that Jesus went into the bars and with the sinners and things like that, and he did not avoid the very appearance of evil. Yes, he did, because it's very clear when he went into a sinner's home, and a sinner's home is a person that was kicked out of the synagogues. Mm -hmm. You were not to have anything to do with that person. That's what the Pharisees said to Jesus. If he was a true prophet or said to the audience, if he was a true prophet, he would know he's going into the house of a sinner. But he didn't go into the sinner's house to hang out and to drink and to just socialize. He went in there teaching them the kingdom of God. So if you're going into the bars, you're not shutting down the bar or into the discos or whatever it is, shutting it down and teaching and preaching the kingdom of God. You're part of their world. Mm -hmm. Now, I would say if, yes, if they're going to shut down the bar and they want to listen to the kingdom of God and the teaching of God's word, that's what Jesus did. But to avoid the very form or appearance of evil... I'm not going into that bar, and I'm not hanging out and associating or putting myself under the influence of non-believers or people that are living in the world because bad company corrupts good morals unless they're willing to shut it down and let's preach the gospel. I'm going to avoid the very appearance of evil. I'm not going in there unless it's on my terms. That's what I'm trying to say, unless it's on my terms, the kingdom terms. And I have a lot of non-believers I love hanging out with, but it's on my terms. It's never on their terms. Mm. We don't get together and go out and do things that he normally does, that person does, but it's on my terms. And we're mm. talking about the Lord, and we're talking about my faith, and they're challenging my faith, and they're in the sense that they're attacking it many times, but I'm defending it, and I'm shooting holes in their worldview, and I'm bringing the gospel to them. But I want to avoid the very appearance of evil. So I'm not going into the casinos unless the casinos are shutting down to listen to the preaching of God's Word. I'm not going into the bars unless they're willing to shut down and listen to the preaching of God's Word. I'm not going into the house of sinners just for the sake of hanging out. I'm going there to share the good news. And if I can come in there on my terms, that's fine. I'm not participating, and even a non-believer would see that and say, wow, they're listening to the preaching of what he has to say. Uh, Hopefully this is communicating to anybody (laughs) that's listening. 
So my goal is to abstain from every form of evil, or it can be translated from every appearance of evil. Mm. I don't even want to be around it. But if it's on my terms, I'm willing to walk into darkness and preach the gospel Mm -hmm. on my terms, not on their terms. Because I believe those two truths can go together, but it has to be in the right context. Verse 23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. Remember sanctification, the setting apart of your life for God. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. That is the completion of everything at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Hmm. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now, the principle here is the greeting. The cultural expression is the holy kiss. We don't greet each other with a kiss here in America, but go to Russia. Believe me, the brethren kiss each other. And it must be a holy kiss, not an unholy kiss, (laughs) something that honors God. Verse 27, I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is very typical of Paul's conclusions, just bringing it to a point of unity and greeting each other and knowing that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with all of you. And without His grace, sometimes Paul begins with His grace and ends with His grace in his letters, but I say this, everything with God begins with His grace and ends with His grace. If you go back through the Old Covenant, New Covenant, everything is about the grace of God. So he ends this letter with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let this letter be read to all the brethren. That is important that every member of that community of faith to read this letter and understand the apostolic authority that is coming through Paul. He founded this congregation. He discipled it. He has sent Timothy back. He's getting a report from Timothy, and he's speaking into their lives through God's Word. So today, we want this letter in its original intent, every principle to be applied to our lives today. May God bless you with this study of 1 Thessalonians, and be ready to read the second letter that Paul writes to them as well. God bless you. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.